Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Shop Notes podcast. I'm Phil from Shop Notes Magazine, joined by John Doyle, designer at Woodsmith and Shop Notes, and Logan Whitmer from Popular Woodworking Magazine. Today's episode is going to be a random grab bag of woodworking nonsense, among other things. But if you've been listening with us for any length of time, you know what's coming. So I think we're just going to get started here. Today's episode is brought to you by Shop Notes Magazine. Uh, We have another issue coming up. It's going to be our fifth issue back in digital form. And we're excited about it and hope that you can subscribe. You can check it out. Got a great price for you at shopnotes.com. I'm going to get started with a couple of comments from the last episode. Uh, Christopher Hathaway 6767 says, I always learn something new watching the podcast. I Googled Travishers and Ovalo Planes. Very interesting. Uh, Puppy Doc says, Logan, if you're looking for someone to give that new bevel gauge a home, since you already have one, I would be willing to sacrifice and adopt it. Well, hell for that matter, any of your old tools would like to that would you would like, I would be welcome. Hand tools fascinate me, but I have zero knowledge of what to look for or how to use them. Yet another great episode. You guys never fail to edu- entertain and educate. Look, we feel uh, like we fail every week. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Michael Thompson, 5875. Did Logan use the phrase cut his teeth when referring to a custom sawmaker? Well played, sir. Well played. I'm not just a pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> he goes on to say, I'm not going to lie, though. You had Ben Strano and Mike Pekovich in town, and we didn't get a Strano, Pekovich, Huber, Whitmer, Doyle podcast. It would have been the woodworking equivalent of a traveling Wilburys concert. <laughs> Those guys don't put up with the shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that I was mildly disappointed in the fact that the fine woodworking folk when they came in for the handworks event they flew in but they flew to chicago which is like a i don't know three and a half hour drive Mm -hmm. to amana when they could have flown into des moines and then we could uh, yeah they could have hung out with us for a little bit and then we could have driven out there only an hour and a half yeah but i mean you know they are east coasters they're kind of hoity-toity and pompous mm-hmm. right? right right coastal elites so, yeah yes probably. coastal elites yeah. yeah that's probably why they didn't fly into the amana international airport right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like our corporate jet can't land on that airfield yeah and then they gets taxied by a little horse and buggy <laughs> yeah to the hangar Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Jeff Baker says, "When will the Shop Notes fanboy fangirl merch come out? Must in, <laughs> must include the three mugs and the mug. Three mugs yeah. and the mug. Yeah, our three That's mugs. Four mugs. Okay, I just did the right. Map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I shared a link to to some of our merch. We don't yeah, have we do any actually with our have... faces on it. Thank God." Yeah, not yet. Yeah. So there you go. Hmm. 
The end. Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all the nonsense we have for this week. Uh, let's say, is this another episode of 50 fast questions? Yeah. Right. Well, we could do that. No, I, I have not um, prepared. Uh, I'll put a photo on the show notes page, but I did finish my um, Minecraft box mm-hmm. Christmas gift. So, and this, I got to say, is the first time in a long time that I'm pleased with the shellac finish. Okay. What about the shellac finish have you not been pleased with? um, Occasionally, I will get, and it's one of those things where I just don't use it enough. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, if I pad it on, I usually use really thin coats, but then it still ends up looking a little streaky or mm-hmm. um, inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I don't feel like I have an yeah. even film across the whole thing. Um, and then some. this time I sprayed because shellac comes in a can. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I sprayed it, and now seeing it in the sunlight, I do see – no, not sunlight because there's no <laughs> sunlight in this dwarf mine here that we're in the video studio. I do have like a little tiny run on one side, but that's at the back, and nobody's ever going to see that. So a lot of times even sh- spray cans aren't necessarily super smooth when they come out because it – can be a little spitty. So why, why do you choose to use uh, spray shellac over like a spray lacquer or any other kind of finish on that box? Um, I had put a couple of coats of oil on it just to bring out the color in the mahogany Mm -hmm. and to get that Wingate to darken down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hear you. Um, but I didn't want to do like a built up oil finish on it because I feel like that takes forever. And I didn't do spray lacquer because I feel like a small little box like that with our giant spray gun is that would be like just dipping it in lacquer and then just lifting it up and letting it run off and Mm -hmm. dry that way. So I felt like the spray shellac, was going to give me a smooth finish and be still relatively quick to dry. You know, like this box, as much as I want my nephew to use it, it's still not going to see constant use. So I feel like shellac is a and a, a very appropriate finish for that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to uh, Bob Pucky, Puppy Doc's comment about the bevel gauge and your tools. You were talking about uh, Logan, uh, all your tools you have to bring up from the basement and where you can do with them. Maybe you should have like a mini handworks tool swap meet <laughs> at your house. Oh, there's so many of them. Yeah. That means like, the oh, great Runnels tool oh, swap of aught twenty three. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Sounds miserable. (laughs) 
or or we could just do a podcast of you like bringing out each one and telling the story. So yes, sure each each one has a there story about how you acquired I, it. And, so, and I used to like I used to remember where I got tools. Like, I mean, you might be joking, but like I did. I like, mm-hmm. and there's some there's some some of them that I I have got that you know I won't get rid of. Like, you know, Chris sent me a, a handful of his bedrocks that I won't get rid of. Um, you know, there's things like those. Um, but some of them are like, I don't remember where I got it. I don't know where it came from. You know, like mm-hmm. there, there are certain tools where I remember because they're, you know, special for one reason or another, but yeah. Yeah. So are you more uh, apt to get rid of the ones where you don't really remember anything about them and you don't use them and yep. Yep. Kind of no thing. emotional connection. Yep. So Considering how much you have to bring out to your shop, are you losing a lot of emotional connection to some of those? Oh yes. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. the the pro the pro, the bigger problem ends up when I have emotional connection to power tools because those are a lot bigger. Yeah. You know, like like the big Oliver Lay that I'm going to move in here. It's like mm, I can't get rid of that one, so yeah. that's going to come live in the shop, and you know. I'm I'm gonna try to do some metal working on it, I think. But yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah. So you're starting to figure out where stuff's gonna live in there now? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, uh you guys were out here the other day, uh we we're doing a little filming out here. I am I'm starting to figure out where stuff's gonna go as far as tools go. Um you know, I, I've set the big planer up on the other side of the wall. And the big jointer is going to go next. So I have this little delta jointer behind me um, that I'm going to move over there for now, um, kind of to create like a jointing and planing hub. Um, and that's going to be uh, the actually the next the next thing is going to be to get the planer running because it's three phase. Um, so this, for people watching, is a VFD. It's a variable frequency drive. Um, it's, uh, this one's a Mullum brand off of Amazon. Um, but basically what this does is it takes an input of one or three phase, uh, 220 volts, and it converts it to three phase output at 220 volts, um, 25 amps. Um, so this will actually take my single phase power in the shop into these terminals and it will output three-phase power. It's a digital three-phase power. Um, what it also allows me to do is, you know, if you can see the the wingdings on the, the power buttons, because this is direct from, I think, probably China, um, wherever Shenzhi Shi Tech Co. Limited is. Um, obviously, it's from, from Asia somewhere. Um, I can program this so that not only does the output power of this match what's required by my motor as far as frequencies and windings. And actually I sent this company a picture of my motor plate and they sent me back the parameters to set in this, like within 15 minutes, it was crazy. Wow. Um, but I can also do some weird things with this, like a soft start. So instead of, you know, when you turn a planer on, it goes and just turns on, I can set like a, three second speed up time on this where it will slowly speed up yeah over three seconds same thing you can use this as a resistance break to slow down the machine so the planer doesn't really matter but think about i have to put one of these on my big bandsaw 
Yeah. So if you shut that big bands off, those wheels are 36 inches, weigh like 60 pounds a piece. It's going to spin for a long time. Like it'll be spinning 20 minutes after you shut it off. You can use the VFD to resistance break. And basically, you know, oversimplifying, you can reverse the polarity of the motor gradually to slow the motor down. So you can say, oh, I need a three second startup, but I want a 20 second slowdown. Um, which is very cool. Um, these yeah. used to be really expensive. And if you buy American made ones, they are still pretty expensive. They're several hundred dollars, like, you know, probably a thousand bucks for one this size. They're rated based on the kilowatt hours or the, um, they do a conversion for horsepower. So this one's rated technically for a seven and a half horse motor, which my planner is a five horse motor. Um, so, you know, this, this one from Amazon was, 200 bucks, 220 bucks, um, to get my planer running. So that's kind of my, my next steps in here is to get some of my bigger equipment running, um, which isn't going to be, I mean, it's not that big a deal. Like it doesn't need repaired. It just needs wired up. So yeah, that's going to be my next step in here. But yes, I am getting stuff into places. Um, the only thing I've left to bring up from the shop downstairs is the drill press. I got a, I think that's going to go in this corner behind me, kind of close to the workbench. Um, it doesn't need dust collection. I'm not pulling dust collection over here. Um, you know, dust collection on the drill press is always janky anyways. So, um, yeah, we're getting there. We are getting there. So if you got that from someplace in Asia, do they have to do a conversion of like muskox power to horsepower or yes probably something like probably. that they have I they have know. horses over there they're just smaller horses <laughs> the little step ponies yeah yeah when you said it does weird stuff i thought you were gonna say it opens like you can uh portals to the multiverse or something yes which right. would be cool because infinite chris fitches That's yeah right but then yeah. you'd also get infinite evil chris fitches yes so Yes. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. But what if Chris Fitch is the evil Chris Fitch? Yeah. I don't know. We may never know. No, really. Yeah. No, we will not. Yeah. I was just more, I was still contemplating the digital power output on there because like, sure, you can do a lot more with it, like the soft start and the slow up, but you don't get those warm cracks and pops like you do with analog power. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. You get the fuzz and they, and they do make, and you know, I know I'm sure somebody will ask. Um, and I, I have been asked before because I will have three, three phase pieces of equipment, the bandsaw, the planer, and then the jointer will be a three phase piece of equipment as well. At that point, it's like, well, you're going to be buying a VFD for each one. Why not just get a shop phase converter? And I, I strongly considered that and I considered doing an article on like three phase power. And I still may do a, a, you know, maybe a two pager on VFDs and, you know, using three phase equipment in a personal shop because I think it's very valid. Um, you know, I would actually like to get a big disc and spindle sander. and Those will be three phase as well. Um, but the problem with that is then I'm going to be running conduit all over to run three phase power. I mean, I could maybe drop it through the walls and stuff. Like I have access through the attic and stuff, you know, like I could probably do it. Um, but then you're always running a three phase 
converter outside of the shop. And I don't know, they do make digital phase converters, which are, it's kind of a VFD, but all it does is take the input and output three phase. Um, I've heard some weird things about those, like they can roast motors and stuff. And the, the Powermatic planer I have wouldn't be that big a deal if I had to get a different motor for it. And I, I did consider just buying a, uh, it's a T frame, I think a 184 T frame motor. Um, I considered buying just the 220 motor and replacing it. Um, and that's, that's completely possible on that machine. But like when you get to the bandsaw, the bandsaw is a direct drive motor. Like that's a completely different beast because it's a big old motor. It's the size of a, I don't know. It's a, it's bigger than a propane tank for your grill. You know what I mean? Like it's a big motor, um, right. it's only three horse, but it's a big motor and you can't just go buy a replacement for it. So, yeah, you know, it, it, yeah. And VFDs are, are fairly common. If you have a lathe, it has a VFD more than likely, um, a bigger lathe. So, you know, like yeah. the big power, like any of the powermatic lathes will have a VFD. Um, you know, the, the Rikon that we have in the studio where Phil is that has a VFD. Like they all have VFDs. Um, and they're, and they're doing that for the, the speed control, um, which is another thing you can do with them. So, you know, theoretically with a VFD on the big bandsaw, I can set the speed for wood cutting, but then I could theoretically dial a potentiometer back on it, slow it down and put a different blade on for cutting metal on the bandsaw if I wanted to not going to, but it's, it's possibly, there's just a lot of possibilities with them. Right. As long as you can change the parameters. What's the speed for cutting concrete bowling balls? Ooh, mm, I'm guessing it's fairly slow and it's yeah. water cooled. <laughs> it's water. cooled. Yeah. Just asking for a friend. Yeah. I did see a lapidary tile or a lapidary saw for sale yesterday. I think. In Was it Dirk's? It was not Dirks. I thought about it. I almost sent it to Becky. I'm like, hey, you should buy this because there's like the saw, the polisher, and then a bunch of like stones and stuff with it. I'm like, this seems like right up her alley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crystals. Uh, yes. Yep. Crystals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have a couple of people in the office here, Becky and Dirk, who are yeah. collectors of stones and gems and geodes. And, mm-hmm. and Dirk's collection is extensive. Yes. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Shop Notes Magazine. You can check it out at shopnotes.com. Do you guys, this is a general question. John, I know you don't really have a shop set up at your house, but Phil, do you feel like there's always things to do in your shop as far as like improvements to be made and stuff? Or is that you get to a point where you're like, yeah, it just is what it is. Um, no, I feel like that there are always improvements and I think the reason I feel that way, there are two reasons that I feel that way. The better reason is that I'm changing and growing as a woodworker. Sure. So there will be different things that I'm interested in or, you know, that the more I learn about woodworking and the way that I like to do woodworking will dictate different changes. And as a result that might involve tooling changes or layout Mm -hmm. 
changes or something like that. So like when I got the shaving horse, you know, cause I started doing yeah. more carving stuff and spoons, you know, like I made space for that and, uh, moved some stuff around. Um, you know, I've already talked in the past about getting rid of a table saw so I could have a bandsaw and that kind of stuff. And I don't do a lot of stuff with plywood. So I don't keep a lot of plywood around. So, but yeah, there's always things that I, well, cause when I got rid of the table saw, I had my router table built into it. And then I didn't have a, basically a full size router table for the longest time. And I did okay without it, but I missed having a full size or a router table with a bigger router in it, I guess I should mm -hmm. say and a slightly larger table than that, that fold up one. So, so yeah. always changing. Yeah. The poorer reason is contentment issues and just thinking that there's always, or being tempted by the fact that there's always some bigger, better, newer, cooler, something or other that I quote unquote should have. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of woodworkers who would be tempted by, you know, like a domino or track saw or 36 inch bandsaw, you know, all that kind of stuff would be, you know, or I would want to have a little bit more space, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I like, I have, I have a plan for what I want to do in here as far as like layout. Like I want to build a big miner saw station and I've been planning on doing that for the magazine for a while. Um, a new assembly table or outfeed table, I guess on my, on my table saw and stuff, but it's like, it's kind of functional right now. Like, and it's, some of it's more like prod, not, not project based, like structure based where I'm like, yeah, the trim's not all the way done. I really would like to finish it. Will it get done ever? I don't know. Like <laughs> that's, that's where it's like, like the windows will get done because I mean, you know, come on, like that window is unfinished. Like I need, I need to go window casing and stuff on. Um, but like the trim that's like up there, it's like, I gotta get, man, I gotta get the scaffolding out or the, the big ladder and I'm moving stuff and it sucks. And is it even worth it? Like, do I really care that much? Because you only see from like eight foot down in photos right. and video. I don't know. Well, that was a question that I had when we were out there earlier this week is, yep. and you were well aware of it, but just the, the mountain of to do items. Oh, even yeah. even at the stage that you're at, where oh, it yeah. just feels like there's a big uh, list, a big list, and it's one of those things where it's like there's a domino effect of like in order to do this thing, these other things have to get done first. And well, and it's yeah, it's like you know, I think my my next to do. Well, I have some classes out here for the Des Moines woodworkers, so I have to get my bathroom finished, or I'd like to get the bathroom finished up. So there's a, a restroom out here, um, but yeah, it's like. The bathroom needs done. The office needs done. The window casings need done. Because that's really kind of a pain in the butt. You know, avoiding window case, avoiding the windows as you're shooting because it's not all trimmed out and there's just Tyvek wrapped around the corner. Um, but, like, to do all that window trim, I need to be able to plane stuff down. So it's like, 
I need to get my VFD hooked up so the planer can run. So the planer needs to be moved into place. And then I gotta get a six to four inch dust collection fitting to pick up shavings. And it's just like, yeah, there's like a... I'm in here, but there's a big to-do still. Yeah, and you've done stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we've I've already started to shoot stuff in here, um, which is, is good. Um, and obviously... Obviously, I have Wi-Fi in here now, so I, like I can be in here working. Um, but yeah, there's just it. It will be a. It's one of those things that's going to be a continual project. I think, um, you know, and some of it, I, I've done pretty well in the past. Where I'm like, okay, take my week. Here's where my meetings are, or whatever. Or here's where we're filming. But you know, Monday. Uh, if I don't do anything else, I need to make sure I get that window trim done or, you know, Tuesday, make sure I get the, the center wall trim finished up. Like just making a list saying, here's my to do for that day. It might only take me an hour. I might do it after the kids go to bed, but that's my to do. And I feel like that's a good way for myself to kind of keep myself on task and kind of chip away at some of these like, you know, list items. Um, so yeah. My prediction is you will have the window trim and everything eight foot down done by the end of the year or spring at the latest. But everything <laughs> eight foot up will be done ten years from now when your oldest has a graduation party. <laughs> this is a coming room experience. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh I probably should do that now. We're gonna have yeah. people at the house. And... Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, Nate was, Nate, one of our camera guys was asking me, you know, up top, I have this header. So like I could swing my camera so everybody can see it. So up there, okay, you see the, there's a, there's a two by 12. So the way that the, the walls here are constructed, there's posts, a two by 12 on the inside and the outside. And that's what the trusses are sitting on. Okay. Um, now, because that is on the outside of the post and on the inside of the posts, to make that flush, I would have had to have furred out those posts a little bit. Not going to do that. So I ran my T111 straight up to the bottom side of it. So the T111 is five-eighths of an inch. Those are inch and a half. So there's like three-quarters of an inch, give or take, maybe an inch and a quarter or whatever. I'm not doing the math right now. Anyways, they're not flush. So my plan is to... Um, wrap those in alder not wrap them but you know like face them in alder um right. so it matches everything um and it's like that's a lot of alder up there mm -hmm. like i mean you know you figure it's 40 by 40 and that's basically a foot all the way around so that's 160 linear feet of alder 160 board feet of alder um i just that might come down the road or maybe i'll just climb up there and paint there you go. You know, um, if you just paint it, you'll probably forget about it. Like, oh, it's done. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like over there, that corner. Like I did my I did my trim up there mm -hmm. to yeah, cover yeah. where the T one eleven meets, um, and that looks good. But it's like, man, maybe I should just like maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I just should just say, okay, today I'm going to do that wall, and I finish everything on that wall. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just we'll see. We'll see. Now, now, out of rage, I'm going to get everything done by the end of the <laughs> yeah. 
just so out of rage. us. He's like, yeah. John called me out, so yep. it's going yep. down. Yep. So, I mean, I would like to know or see. It'd be a, a fun little graph of woodworking activity by folk based on major life events. Like you know, weddings, like what, weddings. what big wedding gift did you have to get done or right. Yeah. Or birth yeah, of a child, good. graduation, mm-hmm. birth of grandchildren. I remember a that. few push on some home improvement projects at our old house where it's like, Oh, we're going to get our house or, mortgage refinance and we have to have an appraiser come out i better put this trim up that around yep. this door that or this window trim or just different stuff like that but yeah baptisms graduations birthday party like yeah it's like people are coming over we got to finish this yeah that's, that's why i finished my basement in my last house was for a refinance yeah yeah <laughs> it's like it was like i finished putting the excess pieces of uh you know, plank flooring in the box as the appraisers rolling yeah. into the driveway. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, we've had <laughs> births of new babies. We got to get this bedroom done to move one kid into here out of the nursery and into <laughs> another room or yeah. things like that. So, yeah. You know, one thing I, I will say I, I did really well. Um, this is, we always talk about pre-finishing like pre-finishing projects, right? Mm-hmm. We always talk about it. And we always say, do as we say, not as we do. Because we don't generally pre-finish stuff. Should we? Yes. I did really well as I started this thing, like pre-finishing the trim before I put it up. So all I'm doing is shooting nails. And then I got to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to slap it up there. And now I got to go back and finish all this stuff that is on a painted wall that mm-hmm. butts up the painted wall. And it's like, mm. Yeah, I hate that. Not my best moment. With a finished floor too, so it's not with like a finished just floor. Like yes, be like dripping Danish oil yeah. all over on the floor on the edges, with, and, which I have, and they are all <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. So I hate. Be, yeah. I hate trim painting like so much. Where it was like redoing stuff in the house where I was had the trim pulled off and putting on new trim. It's like if we're gonna paint this room, paint it now because once this trim goes on, I'm never painting it again. <laughs> At least, at least not a different color. Yep. See, I I have painted a few rooms in my house, and it's not like I have a, one of those airless sprayers, the same one that Mark has in the in the office in there that he bought. Um, and I have found painting a room. I don't mind painting a room with that thing because it's like I get you know my because it generally it's not me that wants to paint it. It's generally my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually it's like, hey, if you want me to paint this, I will paint it but you need to help me tape everything off. So we will spend two hours taping and then it's like 10 minutes painting and that's it. Um, And we did that in my youngest one's bedroom um, probably about a year ago. And it worked. It went amazing. We went from blue to green. So like completely different colors and it worked amazingly well. But yes, it, once you pull the trim off, it's like you better paint it. If you're going to paint it, even if it doesn't need it, you just put a fresh coat on it. Yep. So, yeah, that's the thing with painting and trim, and, and most home improvement projects, where ninety nine percent of the work is prep and cleanup. Yeah, that's the hardest part about getting started. 
and getting it finished because you have all like I got to get everything out and do all this prep just to do, you know, yep. a little bit of work and then you got to clean it up and so yeah. did I was in I think Home Depot buying paint. Um, it must have been when I was buying the paint for the walls in here. Um, they make additives that you can buy now that is like insecticide additives and no smell additives or like a, a, a air freshener additive. You guys seen those? No. They're like no. little packets that you mix in. And it's like, oh, kills bugs for 180 days or keeps bugs away for 180 days. I'm so you just like, have to keep repainting or? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I'm just like. But only twice a year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just thought it was very odd, but that I was like, yeah, that would be kind of cool. Like if you were, I don't know, painting a patio or something. I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess maybe. Yeah. It's good for like, the I mean, yeah. I mean, like the smell thing makes sense, right? If you're painting yeah. like a kid's bedroom or something and you want it to smell like, you know, cotton candy or whatever it yeah. is, like, you know, that's cool. What if you I want did to smell know like it. chloroform? <laughs> make bedtime go really easily sleepy, sleepy time paint. <laughs> uh i did notice and this is i said i said this to my wife and i i don't know if i should be concerned about it i've done i've done crap that isn't good for my health anyways um so like i'm not that concerned about it um but like when we did the floor in here you guys helped me do it um turned out beautiful and i don't know if i've shown that on the podcast mm-hmm. turned out beautiful um for the next month or so, I mean, I guess until 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 we got this really like cool snap that we've had in the last couple of weeks, um, I would walk in here every morning, and there would be dead bugs all over the floor, right by the door. I'm like, are the bugs getting in? And then something's off gassing off the floor, yeah. and then it just kills them. Like, is it okay to be in here right now? Because I mean, this of... stuff had, yeah, like the stuff had a smell. The, the epoxy itself wasn't too bad, though. Um, no, I don't I'd... remember it being bad. Yeah. No, because I've seen, we've had some epoxy around here, and it has been pretty Nasty. strong. And that wasn't, I didn't think. No. no. The top coat was. I will say the top coat was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the top coat was a definitely a respirator type thing, um, and that's that's after I did the top coat is when I started noticing it. I'm like, oh, did I just suffer? Did I just commit insecticide, like, you know, genocide of all the daddy long legs because they got in here and all died? Have you considered <laughs> investing in a canary for the shop at all? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> Perfect. Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. Yep. It will be interesting to see how your shop does going through, like, because we're coming up on, like, stink bug and ladybug and box elder bug season. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, And we get them back. I mean, we're out in the middle of, you know, a bunch of trees. Right. And we get stink bugs so bad out here. Um, And I know I know all of our neighbors do, too. It's not just our house. I mean. And I don't, you don't like where, how do they get in? Right. Like, it's like, how do they get in the house? Like the doors are closed. The windows are closed or there's screens in the windows. If they are open, like, how are they getting in? I know they come down my chimney, um, but you always open the, the flu the first time for the first fire of the season and a bunch of them fall down. <laughs> but, I just remember okay. our, 
one of our other buildings across the street from where we are now, the back south wall of it in kind of late fall would get those ladybugs on it. It would be just, I don't know, like somebody flipped a switch. One day, not that many out there, hardly any. Next day, and it's like stuccoed with ladybugs. Well, the the big thing a couple years ago um, used to be like box elder bugs. Like they would get all over. Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen box elder bugs recently. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if they're, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they come in waves Mm. and they rotate through. I'll take the The, box elder bugs over the stink bugs. They're on a 17-year cycle, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah, just different we're, broods. We're waning right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, so I have to point this out. You know, talking about cycles and stuff, um, this is a bumper crop year for the walnuts. And you guys heard yes. the mm-hmm. walnuts hit the roof in this. It is so loud. I don't know if I mentioned that on the podcast. It is so loud when they hit the roof. Like, you'll be sitting in here, and it'll be nice and quiet, and you're just, you know, working away, and then kapow, it sounds like a mm-hmm. gunshot. It's like, man. Do they make like rubber coatings for for metal roofs for things like that? Or I don't know. That's <laughs> what it is. Just, yeah, I think you just deal. Mm-hmm. And, just cut, you know, as, cut down I think, the trees. Yeah, yeah. I think as Phil mentioned, you know, it should only last like a month, right? Like, so yeah. you should be, should it, it shouldn't last that long. So. Yeah. And we're due for kind of a windstorm to come through here. That should kind of shake mm-hmm. everything out. That's, that's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it should. It would be uh, interesting to be out there like right about now for you. And then we have like a storm front come through like a big one. Just windy. With mm-hmm. a big wall. And then it would just be like the pow, world's pow, pow, loudest pow, pow. popcorn yeah. machine out there. Mm-hmm. Sound like Normandy Beach out here. I do remember the walnut trees down at the old video studio that it seemed like first or second week of October. It's like they had leaves and then the next day all the leaves were down. Like they would all yeah. drop. And, one day. and I don't know if the walnuts are the same way. It's like they just have a big t- like day where they all kind of just fall. When Get it a cold yeah, snap. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, lo- looking outside, like the walnuts, I, I noticed this actually yesterday because there's always this weird time of the year, like right around now where – we haven't had rain for months. It's like, okay, are the walnuts just that stressed that they are starting to burn and, you know, they're, they're dying because of that. But now it's like, nope, they're yellow. Like the leaves are changing. Um, so I don't know. The, the leaves are definitely changing and falling off on the walnuts. Um, you're right. I think it'll take like one big storm. will take them all off, but I can definitely see walnuts still hanging up in the tips of the branches and they're up there a ways. And those little guys got some mass to them. <laughs> like they're, you know, you don't want to be hit by them. Right. But then you also have a couple of walnut trees. Are they walnuts that need to come down for your new driveway too? Nope. No, oh. no walnuts that are coming down for the driveway. The, I have a couple really big walnuts out there, but like they're, they're going to, stay uh, they're my shade trees um, the ones that are coming down are nasty little elms and um, elm hackberry soft maple um, those are the, the three species coming down so okay yeah yep all right you just had a you just finished up a issue of popular woodworking what was in that one approved it this morning I sent the email before we podcasted so, yes um 
that is it's going to be a condensed issue um the last couple issues of the year are a little bit shorter page count than the last than the rest of the year um just for paper supply things um the big one is going to be this shave horse right right there boom that guy okay so uh the shave horse is going to be in that um, that is actually speaking of elms, that one's made out of elm and it was nasty. And I remember that, that log just about killed me loading it onto my trailer. Um, and then there is a stacking burger toy. So it's one of the first toys that I've ever seen, I think published in Popwood. Um, usually we leave that to the wood magazine guys. Oh. Uh, yep. Shots fired. Uh, but no, it, it's a pretty cool one. It's a, it's a nice little kind of stacking learning toy for for toddlers you know it looks like a hamburger um and it has uh four dowels in it so the the bun and patties and stuff will only go on in certain ways um so it's kind of a fun little thing um some child safe staining and finishing on it as well using food dyes and food coloring for stain and mineral oil finishes so that's a pretty fun one um and then there is a wall mounted uh, valet. Uh, it's a, it's based off of a Tay Frigg design. Oh. Um, done by, uh, Charles Mack, who has been an avid tipster of all of our magazines for several years. Um, way back. Yep. Um, and it's, so it's a little wall mounted. It's basically two wall mounted frames, one nested inside the other. The inner frame folds out and has a swinging hanger on it. So it's like you and you, you know, if it was in your house, you'd step into your, your closet, take your suit jacket off and hang it on there. Um, and it has a couple pegs on it and stuff. So, um, that one's put together with loose tenon joinery, uh, which is, is kind of cool. Um, we also have a review of the new Powermatic armor glide series of tools. So, um, at AWFS this year, uh, Powermatic released, you can't, I can't call it Teflon because it's not Teflon, be it, but it's uh, PTFE. It's, uh, it's what Teflon is. Um, Teflon just happens to be a brand name, but um, they've released a series of tools that have this armor glide coating. So the tables are black, um, nonstick, uh, which actually reduces friction quite a bit. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, you know, on a bandsaw table, which is what I have here that has it on it. It's, it's noticeable, but it's not that noticeable. I think where you really are going to see the difference is on a table saw that has a much bigger surface or on sure. the jointers, jointer like face. Yeah. yeah. Face jointing stuff. Um, that's, I think where you're really going to see the benefit, but I think they'll find really good success with it. Um, I actually, one of the things, and I, I mentioned this in, in my review of it, um, the bandsaw in here is kind of sitting close to the window. So it gets some sunlight through it. And I've noticed on the table saw, um, you get some pretty nasty glare from the windows in here. Oh, um, the matte black is actually really nice because there's no glare off of it. Okay. Um, I can see that. Yeah. It, it's actually really nice. Um, so, uh, that's, that's I in could, there as well. I could see it on a bandsaw also for, you know, if you're cutting really resinous material or green stuff, like that yes. would be helpful to yes. kind of control because, that gunk. Yeah. I have had many, many times where I have cut something on the bandsaw, a turning blank that's green, walk over to the lathe, I turn it, my, might take me an hour, might take me two or three, 
Um, and then come back to clean off the bandsaw and that cast iron table already has a layer of rust on it. Right. You know what I mean? Like that damp right. wood, especially if it's an acidic wood, like walnut or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's another, that's another, uh, benefit of it is it is a rust proof coating. So you can set, I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, Mark's Mark's joiner next to his door in, in the shop has yep. tea, T rings, rings on it, yeah, yep. from his, or, his cup, yeah, so, or you know the old soda can or whatever in people's yeah. shops, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's actually one of the photos I took was of my coffee cup sitting on there and spilled a little coffee on it. Not that big a deal; it's fine, um, yeah. which is kind of nice. All right, yep. Um, also, have a there is a review of a book. Um, in there, not a review; it's a book excerpt. We we've done book excerpts. Um, fairly regularly. Um, this one's a little different because usually it's somebody in the industry that's written a book as far as like, you know, uh, Matt Kenny's Kumiko book or, you know, whatever it is. Um, this one happens to be like an illustrated, almost like a coffee table book where it's like an illustrated guide of tools. Like, you know, this guy is a woodworker and he basically started cataloging all these tools. Um, so basically it's just, there's a section of cutting tools and it just, is like thousands of pictures of cutting tools and descriptions of each and stuff like that. It's just, it's kind of an interesting thing. Hmm. So not, cool. not all woodworking related. Some of them, you know, like if you go to the tape measure page, there's, you know, like regular tape measures, but there's also like, um, dirt work tape measures, like tape reels and stuff like that. So, you know, just, yeah. it's uh, it is from a smaller publishing company. So we included it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Don't ask me what's in the next issue because I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Haven't haven't got that far yet. Yeah. Still got to finish up this one. Yeah. All right. That's it for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can send those in an email to woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes page over at shopnotes.com slash podcasts. We'll post some photos and links of some of the things that we were talking about in today's episode. If you love the show, recommend it to somebody else. And please, at your local podcastery, leave us a starred review to help the algorithms know that this is something super cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.